Pastor Chris's podcast. So it is Christmas in July for us here, and I want to share with you a Christmas message. Uh, This one will be based on one of my favorite things during the Christmas time of year, the Christmas movies that all come on. We got several classic movies that come on every year, don't we? We've got uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, you got The Christmas Story, you got Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, which is, you know, let's face it, it's not a high-quality, super great movie, but it's one that's been around since I was a kid, and it, it, we just long to see it every year. And then another one that I always think of as a new movie, but it's not really a new movie anymore, because it came out in 2000, which was 20 years ago, is The Grinch with Jim Carrey in it. It's one of my favorites. Um, And so I'm going to talk about that a little bit today in the message. But first, let me read from Mark chapter 11 and verse 22 through 25. Mark 11, 22 to 25. Then Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe that it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you received it, it will be yours. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against, so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So there's this movie, there's this clip in the movie where Cindy Lou Who meets the Grinch. And you get this contrast between these two very different characters. First of all, there is the Grinch, who everyone thinks is a monster. And that they're so afraid, they won't even go up on the mountain where he lives because he might rip them to shreds. But ironically, the Grinch represents the weakness of all those who hold a grudge in their heart. I mean, he, he's a monster and he's big and he's strong, But he's also very weak. He's so weak that when we find him in this particular clip, he is got he's bent over and a mechanical monkey is beating him with symbols because he's trying to drown out the sound of the Whovillians singing Christmas carols. He's so weak he can't, he's brought to his knees by the sound of Christmas singing. And yet everyone thinks he's so big and so strong. And on the other hand, there's Cindy Lou Who, who comes up the mountain. Now, she's just a little girl. I mean, she's not physically strong at all. But while everyone else in the town is afraid to even approach the Grinch, she climbs the mountain to go visit him because she thinks that maybe if she is kind to him, she may discover the true meaning of Christmas. And so Cindy Lou represents the strength and power of those with a pure heart. And you get this contrast throughout the movie of these two different personalities. Well, we're learning today about prayer and we're learning about forgiveness. There is great power in Christian prayer. Jesus said, you can move mountains if you believe. And I have no doubt that we can. I have seen amazing things accomplished through prayer. Unfortunately, Quite often, our prayers are weak and ineffective because our hearts aren't pure 
like Cindy Lou's. Jesus said, when you pray, we should first forgive anyone against whom we have a grudge. So the title of this message is, Don't Be a Grinch. And I will be exploring three important questions about forgiveness. What is forgiveness? Why should we forgive? And how do we forgive? Then I will end with the opportunity for you to forgive any grudges that you hold in your heart. First of all, what is forgiveness? We talk about it a lot, but what does it really mean? Forgiveness is giving up your claim to repayment from someone who owes you. You could really, it's, it's a financial term. We think about it in spiritual terms because we are Christians and we go to church and we talk about forgiveness, but it means to stop requiring someone to repay you. So for instance, uh, Kelly and I have all these student loans from when we went to college and now we have student loans from Gavin being in college and we're about to have more student loans from Grace going to college in less than a month. And wouldn't it be great if the government called us up on the phone and said, hey, guess what? We're forgiving your student loan debt. You no longer owe it. And that would be great. That would be great. We're going to pay it back, and we've been paying on it, and we'll keep paying on it, and we will eventually get it paid off. But if, that lo- if those loans were millions and millions and millions of dollars, it just we wouldn't be able to pay it back. It doesn't matter if they put us in jail or whatever. We wouldn't be able to pay it back. Um, so they would either have to just keep being angry that we couldn't repay it, or they could just forgive it. That would be their choice. We want to be repaid what we are owed, but sometimes repayment is impossible, right? I mean, people can replace a broken window. They can repair a dented fender, but many offenses are much deeper than damage to material things. Trying to take back the pain that is caused by hurtful words is sometimes like trying to put toothpaste back into a toothpaste tube. You just can't do it. It's not going to work. Emotional and spiritual wounds often cannot be fixed by the people who hurt us. Even if they want to fix it, they can't. And no one else, no other person can fix it either. Only God can bring healing in some circumstances. But that doesn't mean we're hopeless in our pain. In the midst of our pain, in the midst of our hurt, there is a plan, and it is forgiveness. Sometimes forgiveness is not only the only option, sometimes it is the best option. It's always the best option, but sometimes it is also the only option. So that is what forgiveness is, but why Should we forgive? Why forgive? Well, grudges don't fix anything. They hurt us more than they hurt the people against whom we have a grudge. We have a grudge and those grudges twist you up inside and make you ugly inside until you look about as green and hairy and ugly as the Grinch. They are like poison. They fester inside us and they infect us and they ruin our character. Our spirit rots and gets moldy like the Grinch of whom they sung that classic song. Your heart is full of unwashed socks. Your soul is full of gunk, Mr. Grinch. 
Three words that best describe you are as follows, and I quote, stink, stank, stunk, right? That's what grudges do. And sometimes grudges even lead you to hurt innocent people who had nothing to do with what caused your pain. So, sort of like the Grinch. What is it that the Grinch did? He wanted to steal Christmas. And so he went out on Christmas Eve and he stole all of the presents. He stole the presents from the people who had hurt him, but he also stole those presents from people like Cindy Lou, who were innocent and had only ever done things to try to reach out to him and to show him love and compassion. That's what grudges do. The Grinch became the Grinch because of a grudge. He was hurt by some mean people when he was young, and he never let it go. He held that grudge until it poisoned his soul and made him an outcast from society, trapped in a prison of his own choosing, living up on top of a mountain as a hermit on the garbage heap, eating onions and broken glass for dinner. I've known some real people like that, haven't you? People that held on to grudges so long that it just really drove them to bitterness and hate and isolation that they didn't have to experience. It was their choice because of the way they responded to some of the hurtful things that happened to them. And many of us have experienced those kinds of hurts somewhere in life. It can go all the way back to something you experienced as a child. And those things have left scars in us and sometimes they still hurt and they sometimes still hinder us. And you don't want to become like the Grinch. So we need to be quick to forgive. And if we've been holding on to grudges that become moldy in our souls, we need to let it go. And we need to let God come in and clear us out and clean us, clean us out and sanitize that wound so that it can heal. Colossians 3.13 says, Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. So forgive anyone you have a grudge against. Forgive so that God will forgive you. What did we pray in the Lord's Prayer just a few moments ago? If you prayed it with us, you said, Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Is that a true prayer for you? Are you really willing to ask God to forgive you in the same way that you forgive others? That's a, that could be a scary thing if you are not willing to forgive others, isn't it? Well, let's talk about how to forgive. How do you forgive I know it's not easy to forgive. I remember the first time I preached about forgiveness. It was actually about 20 years ago when this same movie came out, um, The Grinch. I had, uh, it was, it was uh, one of the first sermons that I preached, and there were two men in the congregation that day. And they came up to me after the service separately and had totally opposite reactions to this message of forgiveness. One gentleman came up to me, and he, you could tell that the Lord was, was upon him. He had this look of sincerity on his face, and he said, 
you know, your, your message is really hard today, but it really spoke to me. He said, because I've been holding a grudge against my ex-wife. She cheated on me and she left me for another man. I'd done nothing wrong, but that's what she did. And, and it really hurt me. And I've been holding a grudge against her ever since it happened. And I've never been able to let it go. And I heard your message today telling me that I need to forgive her. And I just don't know how to do it. It's hard. It really hurts. And I don't think she deserves it. But in what you're saying in the scripture is true. Jesus wants me to forgive her. And we talked about it. And I met with him a couple more times after that service. And he actually forgave his wife. And it was so wonderful to see him coming to church week after week after week. And you could just see the pain going out of his countenance. He was growing closer and closer to Christ. But that same day, a few moments later, after I got done speaking with the first gentleman, a second gentleman came to me. And you could see that there was an anger and a rage in his face as he came to speak with me. And he said, I heard your sermon today, but I just can't do that. He said, you don't understand what my father did to me when I was a kid. He said, my father was a terrible father. He said, my father was a blank. And I'm not going to say the word he said, but you can imagine. And he said, I can't forgive my father for what he did. I won't forgive my father for what he did. I'm not going to forgive my father for what he did. And I talked with him a little bit and I shared with him about my own experience and how I understood how hard forgiveness could be, but that it was God's will and it was for our benefit. And he still said, I'm not going to do it. And even though that gentleman had been coming to church for several years and had gotten involved and was even singing in our praise band, that was the last time I ever saw him. He did not come back to church. And I wasn't the senior pastor, so it wasn't like he left because I'm not going to support that pastor anymore. I wasn't the senior pastor of the church. I was just preaching there. I was serving as a youth pastor. But he was not only angry at his father. He was also out angry at God. And he did not want to worship him anymore. That grudge not only destroyed his relationship with his father, but it destroyed his relationship with his eternal father in heaven. And um, that's how important, that's how critical it is for us to forgive. So how do we do it? I want to share with you four steps along the path of forgiveness. The first step of forgiveness is recognition. You have to realize that you have been hurt. Now that seems like a small thing, but it's important to say. Because in, the, in Christian circles, in church circles, we have had it drilled into our heads all our lives that it's very important to forgive, right? We're supposed to forgive. And so sometimes what that translates into for us is that we never even recognize that we've been hurt. Because somehow we feel like we're not allowed to get upset. We're Christians. We're supposed to be nice and we're supposed to love everyone and we're supposed to be gracious with everyone. 
And so the temptation can be that when someone does something very offensive, very hurtful to us, we just sort of brush it off and say, oh, it's okay, it's not a big deal, I forgive you. And it is true that we are supposed to be gracious and quick to forgive with one another because, you know, we're all human. And sometimes I might say something, not really meaning it or intending to cause harm. It's just, you know how we sometimes don't realize what we're doing or what we're saying. I might say something or do something that, you know, Amy could see it and say, oh, why did he say that? That was kind of rude. And she has a choice at that moment. She can just want to feel offended and be offended and hold it close to her heart. Or she can just say, oh, well, you know, Chris, he's, he's an idiot sometimes. <laughs> and just kind of let it roll off. That's, that's one thing. We should be gracious and quick to forgive with one another in those situations. But it's okay sometimes also to recognize that sometimes people do something that is hurtful and, it's, and it does hurt. It is offensive. It does cause pain. And so the very first step to actually forgiving someone is to recognize that you have been hurt. And if you don't do that, you can't really forgive them. You just sort of will repress it, you will internalize it, and nothing healthy comes from it. So sometimes the very first thing you have to do is offer forgiveness. Um, Another misconception that people sometimes have with forgiveness is, is this concept or this expression that we might have heard, forgive and forget. You know, I'll just forgive and forget. You know, I first started studying about forgiveness as a Christian. Um, I looked throughout the scriptures for where does it say in the Bible to forgive and to forget. And I couldn't find it anywhere. The Bible tells us to forgive. Jesus tells us to forgive, but he never says forget. He never commands us to forget. Now, sometimes it says that God will forget our sins, and I'm so thankful that he will. It says that our sins will be put away as as far as the east is from the west, but that's God that does that. He never requires humans to do that. Um, So we can forgive someone, And still remember that they did it. Remember what the definition of forgiveness is. Forgiveness means that you no longer expect to be repaid for what has been done to you. You can still remember it. And sometimes it's important that you do. For instance, if somebody robs you, you know, breaks into your house and holds you at gunpoint and takes your money... um, Perhaps with God's help, you may come to a place one day where you can forgive that person, but it's probably not wise to forget that they did it. Because if they've stolen from you, I probably wouldn't want to put them in charge of a bank or some money somewhere. And you might want to not forget that they did it so that you could hold them accountable. And there might be a a jail sentence that they must serve. Uh, You can forgive them, but not forget. And that's okay. True true forgiveness can't happen until we recognize there really is something that needs to be forgiven. But when we forgive, we refuse to remain a victim. We refuse to remain trapped by our desire to chase down and expect repayment from the one who has hurt us, expecting a repayment that they can never make. 
You see, forgiveness is really what you do for yourself. Holding a grudge hurts you more than it hurts the person against whom you have a grudge. In the same way, forgiveness helps you more than it helps the person that you forgive. Once you have accepted that you've been hurt, you choose to forgive. When we forgive, we make a choice to let go. It's not a feeling, it's a choice. You probably don't like to forgive, especially not at first. Just like you don't feel like getting a shot from the doctor when you're sick. Or you don't like to have to take medicine every morning and every night. Maybe the medicine doesn't taste good. You know, when you're a kid and the doctor gives you some medicine that doesn't taste very good, as a kid, you say, "Mm -mm, I'm not going to take it, right? I don't want to take it. I don't like it. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't taste good. And your parents sometimes will have to force you to take the medicine because they know it's best for you. And you're just a child and you don't know. But then we grow up. And we become mature adults. And we are mature enough to understand that sometimes the medicine we need to take doesn't feel good or taste good, but we do it anyway. Jesus is the great physician. And he says that forgiveness is the right thing to do. Not for the other person, but for our own sake. Do you believe him or not? You know, we talk about believing in Jesus as Christians all the time. I believe in Jesus. And the scriptures say, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. But believing is not just an intellectual idea. Believing is acting upon your belief. I believe that this medicine will make me better. And so even though it tastes terrible, I will take it. I believe that Jesus Christ says that I should forgive others. Therefore, I will do what he says, because I know that he loves me, and he wants what's best for me, and I believe that this is what's best for me. Next, you have to pray to God and tell God that you forgive the person who hurt you, and that you are no longer going to look to them to make things right for you. You are letting it go. Pray to God and tell him that. And then number four, keep praying and asking God to heal you. And it could take time. Just as a a wound on your arm takes time to heal, a wound on your soul takes time to heal as well. Because healing takes time. But God has the power to heal your wound, and he will if you trust him and if you are patient. Some hurts... May even, may even require professional help. That's why God has given us counselors and mental health professionals, specialists. That's why we have pastors in the church. And you can come and you can talk to me as your pastor. You can even message me on, on uh, Facebook or email me and we can have a discussion that way. Sometimes it is very helpful just to talk with someone about... Uh, the hurt and the pain and the grudge that you have in your life. Having someone listen and verbalizing it out loud can make such a difference. So, I hope that you see now what forgiveness is, why you should forgive, and how to forgive. And so, 
There is tremendous power when we pray and ask the Lord to forgive us and when we pray and forgive others. Prayer is so powerful. Jesus said, you can move mountains. But he also said, when you are praying, first, forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Do you have a grudge that you need to let go of today? How long are you going to hold on to it? How long are you going to put an obstacle between God's mercy and you because you won't forgive someone else? Today, it's time to let it go.